Today we continue our study through the book of James in the New Testament. You'll find that near the end of the New Testament, James was the brother of Jesus, and he wrote this as one of the earliest books we have in the New Testament. Even though it comes near the end, don't think that's a chronological statement. James was one of the first books written. And today we're in chapter 2, where James talks about defeating discrimination and, and prejudice an issue that was a problem in his day and certainly an issue that is uh, problematic even in our day. So let me invite you to take the listening guide. Remember, we make these available usually by Friday afternoon on fbcborough.church. You can print those and bring them with you on Sunday. Or if you're watching at home, uh, you can print yours at home right where you are. Or uh, version app is available that has the notes on it as well. So whatever fits your need, you take some notes and keep your Bible open to James chapter 2 because after I read it here at the start, We're going to go back and and see what the verses teach us verse by verse. James chapter 2 at verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes... And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here in this first century context, James is encouraging, urging, and if not declaring that the followers of Jesus should work against and defeat partiality, or what we'd call it today, discrimination and prejudice. Look at these uh, pictures on the screen of these two gentlemen. Uh, We don't know their names. Uh, You don't know where they're from. You don't know what their vocation may be, what sports teams they may support or not support. You don't know anything about their family. But we're in church, so let's be honest, okay? Isn't it true that in our human hearts, when we see pictures, two gentlemen like this, that we've really got to work diligently not to come to some preconceived predetermined ideas about who they are, what they must be like, based upon what we see. 
See, that's the problem with the human heart. And it's been that problem ever since the Garden of Eden. This idea of, of making a judgment, some valued consideration based on the appearance, based on what we see, and really not knowing anything else. James calls that partiality. And he uses here in the first century the illustration of if you're in a gathering, or if you're in church, so to speak, and in comes this man with lots of gold rings on his fingers and fine clothing. And right behind him is this poor, filthy clothed person. He says, don't treat the man with the fine apparel in one way because of what you see and treat the other fellow a different way. If so, he says, you have shown partiality. Now, we don't use the word partiality in our climate and the world much today. We, we use the more modern words discrimination and prejudice. And James uses a specific illustration about treating poor people and rich people differently, but he taps into something that has broad application. And the, the, the problem that James was addressing was when you treat people differently because of their wealth, but the application of partiality is no person should be treated differently than any other because of what you see on the outside, either his wealth, his education, his language, his culture, his race, or anything else. That then becomes the sin of partiality, discrimination, and prejudice. Here's the main thing to know as we consider what James has to say about the sin of partiality. Prejudice within me is worse than prejudice around me. Understand what James is saying that the Scripture is teaching us, that when there's partiality or prejudice within us, the prejudice within us is far worse than the prejudice around us. Now, you don't have to look very far or search very long to find prejudice around us. Just look at the world today. Go into your favorite news site. Get onto the social media feeds. There's all kind of prejudice all out there. But the problem is the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason prejudice within us is more difficult and is worse than that which is around us is because we can't change other people's behavior. We can't change other people's opinions. We can't change what other people think. But as a follower of Jesus, we are responsible for our behavior. We're responsible for the way we think. We're responsible for how we behave. And when prejudice and discrimination resides within us, as a follower of Jesus, when it's within us, it's worse than when it is around us. And we are accountable to Him. Now, the word partiality here, it, it comes from the root idea defined as to reveal the face now, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> James uses it in verse 1. You see it again in verse 9, and, and you see it uh, other, uh, other ways he's used it. And James is talking about when you receive the face, that is partiality. Now, we would use a modern colloquialism to say something like, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because what you see on the outside is really not what it is on the inside. Don't, don't look, don't... Say something has face value. Don't, don't receive the face until you really know what's behind it. Jesus lived in contrast to receiving the face. When Sadducees and Pharisees were judging people by their clothing, their lifestyle, and this thing or that thing, Jesus judged them by their heart. Jesus did not receive the face. He didn't live with partiality. He treated everybody the same, didn't he? And so should the followers of Jesus. Treat everyone the same. Whether they're wealthy 
or whether they're poor, whether they're well-educated or uneducated, whether they have a big house and a, and a gated community or whether they're living on the street, whether they're the same race as you are, the same ethnicity that you are, or the same culture you are, Je the followers of Jesus set aside partiality as we live in obedience to him. Douglas Moo is at Wheaton College, one of the best uh, uh, Bible scholars we have around today. And when he's writing about the book of James, Dr. Moo gets it right when he says, James's way of putting the matter makes clear that discriminating against people is inconsistent with true faith in Christ. That when we receive the face, when we discriminate or show presidential, uh, prejudicial thoughts toward people based on what we see, that is inconsistent with true faith in Jesus Christ. What Dr. Moo is saying is what James is telling us, that if, if we take this posture, that either means, number one, we're not Christians, or number two, we're not living the way Christians are supposed to live. It's inconsistent with true faith in Christ. As we work our way through these 13, chap uh, 13 verses, I almost scared you there, didn't I? 13 chapters. Keep your Bible open. Let me ask and answer three questions. First question is, where does this come from? Where does prejudice and dis discrimination come from? Second question is, why is it wrong? Isn't that just the way people are? Isn't that just kind of the world we live in? Why is it wrong? And the third question is, what can you do about it? What can you do about it? So question number one is, where does this come from? When we make value judgments about somebody based on, on their wealth, their education, their race, their status, where, where does that come from? Where well, James tells us in verse 4 that these feelings and, and this, these ideas, it flows from evil thoughts. In verse 4 he says, have you not shown partiality among yourselves when you judge people differently? And you become judges with evil thoughts. The root of it is evil thoughts. The root of discrimination and prejudice and partiality isn't because you were raised in the South, isn't because the generation that you are, isn't because that's just because the world is. The Bible says that comes from evil thoughts. That's where it comes from. And that reminds us that this issue is an age-old issue. Struggling with thoughts of prejudice and discrimination, valuing or devaluing somebody because of what you see on the face, that's an age-old issue. It didn't start in the last 12 months. Oh, no. It didn't start in the last 12 years. It started way back at the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, sin came into the world, they then had to fight against those evil thoughts that have been burdening the heart of men and women ever since. It didn't, this problem didn't start uh, in New Testament days. Here, here James, writing about the year 40 to 44 A.D., more than 2,000 years ago, and the Christians of 2,000 years ago, they were struggling with this idea of treating people differently, discriminating or having prejudice, and even today. So this is not a modern-day problem. It didn't start with a civil rights movement. It didn't start with all the racial reckoning that's happening in our world today and the cry for social justice and racial equality. This, this began with evil thoughts that traced their roots all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's an age-old problem of the human heart. It's nothing new. Nothing new. We also know, don't we, that the problem is uh, an emotional issue. 
I mean, you talk about stepping on a third rail, <laughs> just raise an issue like this at your workplace or around the Thanksgiving table. Or you, you, you step on the third rail. This is an emotional issue. It touches a deep chord in many people's lives. That's why facts and stats really don't move people's hearts. That's why lectures and information pieces and statistical data doesn't really address the problem. Because there's a lot of data out there, a lot of information, a lot of statistics, a lot of great lectures, but people are driven by emotions on this. And that's the reason it seems like in today's world, haven't you noticed, we can't even talk about these things. Just go on your favorite social media feed and everybody's choosing up one side or the other. Everybody's trying to outpost and, and out-meme somebody else. And, and you can't even have a conversation about these issues because the emotions are so raw and so deep. It is indeed an emotional issue because this issue is really a heart issue. It's not an issue of the head. It's an issue of the heart. The problem is not that we have certain laws and not other certain laws, or we have certain kind of politicians and not certain kind of politicians. The problem is not about this thing or that thing. There's a problem of the heart. Isn't that what Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality. And when Jesus used that phrase, out of the evil thoughts, that's the identical phrase that James, his brother, is using in James chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, partiality comes with evil thoughts. James, the brother of Jesus, never directly quotes Jesus, but a lot of Jesus' sayings bubble up throughout the five chapters of the book of James. And here's one. He, he certainly understood Jesus talking about out of the heart come evil thoughts. And so James is saying when you show partiality, that's the expression of evil thoughts. Out of the heart. It's a heart problem. We, we can pass certain laws and, or, and, or not pass certain laws. We can protest against this or not protest against that. We, we can remove racially insensitive uh, uh, banners and, and slogans out of our language and out of our culture and out of our country. We can speak against injustice and talk about racial equality. But if we're not careful, all that amounts to is just surface cleaning and window dressing unless something happens in people's hearts. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, it is out of the heart. So until we address the heart of the problem, we won't get to the heart of the problem. And prejudice within me, within my heart, is far worse than anything I see on the news or read on the computer. Prejudice within my heart, those evil thoughts, when I make value judgments about somebody, when I receive the face and, and make a judgment based on his wealth or his poverty, his race, his culture, his ethnicity, that is an evil thought that flows out of the heart. And that's why, and that's where it comes from. Then it begs the second big question why is it wrong? I mean, after all, isn't that just the way the world is? <laughs> isn't that just the way some people are raised? Well, you know, they were raised that way. It must be okay. That's just the way they're raised. Why is it wrong? Why should we even talk about this? As uncomfortable as this is at times to talk about. 
Well, James gives us several reasons here, and let me just point you to the Scriptures. Because I hope you didn't come to hear the, the winsome wisdom of John Waters, because that, that boat left the harbor a long time ago. Let me show you what the Scripture says. I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a community activist. I'm not a political ideologue. I can't explain. You know, there's a lot of moving issues here that involve uh, deep issues in our society, the outcropping of housing discrimination and redlining and, and the incarceration rates of black young men versus white young men and systemic issues that have become embedded. I, I can't explain all that, but let me explain the Scriptures. Let me stand the authority of God's Word. and that, That's a place I can always stand upon. So James touches on four reasons this is wrong. Let me show you from the Scriptures. One reason this is wrong is because it contradicts the character of God. When we make value judgments on somebody based on the way they look or the face of things, that contradicts the character of Almighty God. In chapter 2, verse 1, verse 1, he says, My brethren... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory. Don't hold it with partiality. Almost saying, you can't hold it. How can you on one hand say you're holding the faith of the Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory, and on the other hand you're holding on to this partiality? He says, that, that, that dog's not going to hunt. That's not going to work. That's speaking out of both sides of your mouth. That contradicts the very character and nature of God. In verse 5, he says, Has not God chosen the poor of the world to be rich? Meaning, doesn't God do things that men would not think is right? God has a different way. So when we don't act in the way God would act, we are contradicting his own nature and God's own heart. So it's wrong because when we treat people differently, that contradicts God's nature. God, doesn't matter who you are. You could be male, female, you could be rich, poor, you could be Anglo, Caucasian, African American, black, Hispanic, Asian, you can, you can uh, be a southerner, you can be a northerner, but God is no respecter of persons. And as His people, neither should we. And when we live lives in contrast to that, it contradicts God's own very character. A second reason James talks about it is wrong because it divides the body of Christ. In verse 4, he says, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? James wasn't crying out against all the prejudice and partiality of the lost and dying world. There was plenty of it back then and there's plenty of it right now. James says the problem is we got some partiality within the body of Christ among yourselves. It's bad enough that people out in the lost and dying world treat people differently based on the face of things. Why in the world should God's people be guilty of the same thing? I've asked you several times before, I hope you know the answer now, how many churches are there in Statesboro and Bullock County? And the answer is one. There's one body of Christ. <laughs> and when we embrace evil thoughts that blossom into prejudice and discrimination, 
that divides the body of Christ. A third reason why it is wrong, it violates the teachings of Jesus. The clear, unmistakable teachings of Jesus. How can we as the followers of Jesus be willing to live in direct violation of his word? In verse 8, James says, if you really fulfill the royal law, don't you love that phrase, the royal law? According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Now, uh, that, that command to love your neighbor as yourself is, is rooted all the way back in the book of Leviticus. But yet that's what Jesus quoted when they asked him, what, what's the greatest commandment? He said, first, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then second, love your neighbor as yourself. So again, James, the brother of Jesus, never directly quotes him. But Jesus, his sayings keep bubbling up. So James is indirectly quoting a teaching of Jesus that if you're going to be his follower, you need to love him with all your heart, and then you need to love others as you love yourself. And when we don't do that, it violates the teachings of Jesus. A third reason, a fourth reason it's wrong is because it represents sin. Now, James couldn't say it any clearer in verse 9. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version, but I can't believe for the life of me that whatever translation you're reading from puts it any less clear than that, that if, if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so this is a sin in the presence and in the face of Almighty God. Now, we'll excuse it away, we'll explain it away, we'll accept it, we'll just sweep it under the carpet, say, well, that's the way things are, that's the way, way I was raised, that's just that generation he or she lives in. But the Bible says it's a sin against Almighty God and His holiness. Take it seriously. Uh, James illustrates the seriousness in verses 10 and 11. For whoever, he says, keeps the whole law but stumbles at one point, guilty of all. For he who said, again, quoting Jesus, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Don't minimize this sin of partiality, the Bible says. You may think, well, I've never committed adultery, and I've never murdered anybody, and I've never done this, done that, and, you know, I, I have this thing in my life, but, you know, the Bible says, yeah, that thing? That, that's a sin. It's a sin against God. If you treat people differently because of their wealth, their education, their race, their culture, their language, the Bible says in verse 8, you have committed sin. It is a stench in the nostrils of a holy and righteous God. And we need to quit sweeping it under the carpet and pretending like it doesn't exist, especially in the body of Christ. Why is it wrong? Because it is a sin against God. Well, the last question then is, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Well, James is careful to talk about your own heart. The teachings from James chapter 2 doesn't tell us how we should go out in the world and fix everything. He says, first, fix your own heart through God's grace in the Lord Jesus. That's where it begins. 
In verse 12 and 13, he says, now that you know this is true, that it's partiality, that it's a sin, now, verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Now, who are those being judged by the law of liberty? The children of God. He used the illustration of the law earlier about don't commit adultery, don't murder, you're a transgressor of the law. But then James says, but remember, you're going to be judged by the law of liberty, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does your life show the grace of Jesus? Your faith is not a bunch of do's and don'ts and a checklist of things. It's are, are you living out of the liberty that you found in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus? We, we as God's people have a higher standard to live by. We as God's people march to the beat of a different drummer. We as God's people will be judged, but by the law of liberty, God's mercy and His grace. So, how do you do that? How do you live under the law of liberty and, and stay away and, and fight against partiality, discrimination, and prejudice? Well, let me ask you three questions that each of us needs to examine our own hearts. And no one can judge your heart but you. And even then, it's hard to judge our own hearts. <laughs> and the hardest conversation you'll ever have is one you have with yourself. <laughs> so three questions each of us needs to ask. Number one, do I see others as God sees them? Now, nobody can answer this for you. But be honest with yourself. Do you see others as God sees them? When you see a, a migrant farm worker, and you can tell by the clothes he's wearing or the conversation they're having, and that, that, that migrant farm worker isn't the same racial background as you are, do you see him and his children as God sees them? Second question, do I receive others as Jesus received them? Didn't the religious leaders of the day lambast Jesus? Look at that rabbi. He's sitting with sinners and tax collectors. He receives sinners. He's letting his life be tainted by their lives. Are you receiving people in God's grace as Jesus had received them? Or if Jesus lived in Bullock County, if Jesus were a student at Georgia Southern University, if Jesus were in your middle school or your high school, do you receive others who are different than you as Jesus received people who were different than he? Then the third question, do I treat others as God treated me? That's what James ends on here. In verse 13, it sounds almost philosophical when he says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You think, what in the world is James talking about? He's making the point. Remember, he just talked about the law, transgressors of the law. But he said, you were under the law. You were under God's judgment. You deserved his wrath and punishment. But yet through Jesus, you found his mercy. And mercy, by the grace of God, triumphs over judgment. And if God showed you his mercy, his love, his grace, and kindness of the person of Jesus Christ, if he treated us that way, 
Are we treating others the way God has treated us? The human heart struggles with partiality, receiving the face, making judgments about people and ideas just on the face of things. It's been a struggle since the Garden of Eden. It's even a struggle today. Let's admit it. But when we realize the mercy and grace of God extended to us ought to be extended to others, then we find ourselves on the right road to living as Jesus would have us to live. As verse 1 says, holding the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, and we're holding it without partiality. Remember our main thing to know today? Prejudice within me is worse than prejudice around me. I, I can't stop the prejudice of the world. I, I can't stop uh, the, the misconceptions the world has. But God expects me to check it in my own heart. Confess it in my own life. Because when prejudice and partiality exist within me and exist within you, the prejudice within us as followers of Jesus is far worse than the prejudice we see out in a lost and dying world. This morning, I want to ask you to respond according to what God has been teaching you today. If you want to fight against the struggle of partiality, and, and if we're to be honest, most of us at one time or another had to struggle through that, it all begins with a giving your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. This is a heart issue. You cannot change your heart. You cannot fix your heart other than allowing the Lord Jesus to give you a brand new heart. And so give your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. Confess your sins. Bend your heart to His. Give the pink slip of your life over to Jesus. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. And He gives you a new heart to start living a new life. But if you made that commitment already years ago, perhaps, are you living in a yielded, submitted way allowing Jesus' grace to guide your thoughts, guide your behavior, and guide your life. Maybe you gave your life to Christ years ago, but this is still a struggle in your life. Well, maybe God is teaching you today that we make sure you come to church every Sunday and you read your Bible every day and, and you tithe every week, but this is something in your life that you still need to surrender unto Jesus. And by His grace, He can change you and renew you. My email address is john at fbc-statesboro.org. It's on the screen. I'm easy to find on our church website. Believe me, I'm easy to find. I can testify to that. Would you send me an email about how you respond to what God is teaching you? If you prefer, we've just started, as, as was mentioned at the start of the service, in your pew rack, you find this little card with a scan code. Just scan that with your cameras, uh, your phone's camera. And we give you an online form. You can request more information about our church. You can say, I want to commit to Jesus. I want to meet with a staff minister. Or if you just want to make some comments, you can scan that as well. But whatever God has taught you today, your response has to be out of obedience to Him. And if God's Spirit has stirred in your heart today, I pray you respond as He is leading you and He is calling you in this very moment now. Let me pray for you before we sing our final commitment song. Lord, I pray that each of us, myself included, 
would fight against this sin of partiality the Bible talks about. It was around in the first century when James was writing, Lord, it's around today. Help us to fight against it in your grace for your glory. And may we respond today by giving our life to Jesus or taking the next step of faith and surrendering even more to him. And may you be pleased how we decide and determine that today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this. Thank you again for joining our live stream this morning. I'd like for you to know that as we wrap up the service inside, you too can make a commitment to follow Jesus by going to fbcborough.church. There you'll be able to let us know that you've made a decision or maybe you're just interested in the programs and activities that we have to offer. Thanks again for joining us today at First Baptist Church and we look forward to walking alongside this journey with you.